I think the Lord has blessed us all today. He's just been particularly good to me. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. A River Runs Through It. It's set in Missoula, Montana. And they talk about one of the fun things that is really cool that God gave us to enjoy, that I enjoy, I grew up doing. I grew up fishing. Fishing and hunting and being outside. But he said something in the very beginning of that, of that video clip. It's very, very, very interesting to me. He said, he said, and I'll paraphrase it, my brother Paul broke away from the box that our father had put on them. If, you, if you've seen this movie, they learned to fly fish, they learned to cast on a metronome. Tick, tick, tick. If you've ever tried to throw a fly rod, it has to be rhythm or it doesn't work. It has to be rhythm or it's going to be a whole big knot, okay? And it's not fun. Get that? Okay. But they do it like this. It's on a metronome, tick, tick. And in the movie, he teaches them how to do that. And, and Paul is the, is, the, is the youngest son that, that comes out, and he breaks out of this box of what he's been taught. Now, there's some truth that we need to pull from this today. For a long time, I thought that there was a box, and that's the way that church had to be. Had to be that way. Had to be this way. If it's this way, it's wrong. You can't have popcorn in church because you just can't. It's in the box. The box says so. We are called this morning a church called Connection. And if you have a worship handout, I can tell you we're going to be in the book of Mark, not yet, but if you have a worship handout with us this morning, you can flip over to the front cover. It says March 1st. Listen, Connection tries to recycle. We're green, okay? So we didn't reprint all these. It just says, it just says one on it. All you got to do is scroll, just print eight. We're just using them from last week because there's no sense in reprinting them. I know some of you, well... That person that does that made a mistake. No, they didn't. I told them to. Okay? So we're going to have some, some sermon notes that we're going to go along with this. And, we're, and, it's, and the sermon's titled, Gone Fishing. Now, gone fishing, that you, you hear all the time. If you're in church at all, probably once or twice, three times a year, you hear about Jesus going, and he talks to the fishermen. And, it, and then those fishermen are the ones that come and, be his, and are his disciples. They follow him. Today, we're going to actually talk about some of those guys. Again, if you, I don't do, I don't, I'm not just up here to make book recommendations, but, but 12 Ordinary Men is one of, the, one of the best ways, best books to understand who each of the individual disciples are. 12 Ordinary Men. And in that book, it dives into each individual one and what they did and how important fishing was. It's just like your job. It was their livelihood. It's how they lived. It's day to day. It's how they lived. But not too long ago, And Dean Taylor is really good at this. Dean Taylor posts on Facebook sometimes about meteor showers. And I think they're absolutely incredible. We got, in the summertime, you know, I'm not going to go, you know, lay outside on the trampoline this week. I could maybe tonight with a blanket, but not this past week. But the meteor showers, they're just so amazing. Last night, yesterday afternoon, uh, speaking of this, and Mary and I were watching Discovery Channel yesterday with the girls. I like animals. They're just amazing. They're talking about these dolphins. They're called the spinning. They're spinner dolphins. And they jump up and they can like spin like five times before they get go back in the water. And I was looking at this with Mary and I said, Mary, these are still, they're just dolphins. Yet they have this special, cool, awesome thing. And Mary looks at me and she goes, yeah, but how much more important are we than dolphins? And God wants to put his earth on display. So in these meteor showers, they come. And you can see the telescopes and everything that passes on earth if it's really clear. A couple weeks ago, we talked about, I love the winter nights when they're really clear. Yeah, it gets really cold, but you can just see forever, it seems like, outside. But one night, there was going to be a meteor shower. And you know, meteor showers are really convenient. You know, they usually take place at like 2 or 3 a.m. Really convenient for my schedule since I teach school and no. You know, 2 and 3 a.m., I haven't seen 2 or 3 a.m. I don't even, I don't know when, okay? 2 or 3 a.m. So I set my alarm. I was purposeful and I said, okay, I'm going to set my alarm. I'm going to get up and I'm going to watch the meteor shower. Yeah, you know how the story goes. I was going to set my alarm, but I thought, you know what? I'm just going to stay up. So when I woke up the next morning, <laughs> realized that I didn't set an alarm, I should have, I wasn't strategic, I didn't plan 
well. I didn't. Okay? I don't know about you. This never happens at your house, but you know, you, you, with, with all excitement, you start to watch a show or a movie with your, with your significant other or your mate or even by yourself, and you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch all of this. Gone. You know, Mary, Mary, next thing I know, Mary's like, let's go to bed. But I, I, wasn't, I wasn't purposeful, and I slept through it. Now watch this. If you don't hear anything else that you hear this morning, please hear this next thing I'm going to say. Please hear this. Please, 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 please. In the meteor shower, I slept through it all. I missed it completely. Missed the whole thing. Here's the deal. You don't see meteor showers during the daytime. I missed it. I missed it. I'm like, oh, woke up at 6 a.m. Oh, I can still catch it. No, you can't. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. If this church or any other church does not maintain focus and is intentional about continuing the mission of living and loving like Jesus Christ, it will start to die. We have to be completely intentional. Just as I wasn't intentional about the meteor shower. Now, that's just a meteor shower, okay? There'll be others. It's a meteor shower. But please hear this. If a church steps out of its vision, it will start to die. It will start to die. Now, I don't say this to, to say connection is dying. Connection is not dying. Connection is growing. We're seeing people come all the time. Our 430 service is growing. What we're going to be doing is we're going to jump back in time just a little bit, just a little while. We're going to jump back in time and we're going to revisit our vision, part of our vision for connection. Now, I talked about river runs through it. Yeah, we're talking about fishing today. It's okay. Some of those early sermons, I, I, I remember when Mike would preach and he would, he would, he would talk about, uh, he would we'd hand out fish cards. Remember those? Anybody still have those? Shame on you, you should give them away. No, I'm just kidding. They're fish cards. When we do community leavens, we would hand out cards. And it was fishing, it was fishing. Just like that, Paul, was when he's fly fishing, they hand tie their flies, and they make the trout think it's a bug, and... See, connection has a vision. This is the vision of connection, to reach the unchurched here in a relevant manner. Remember, we, we are married. We've talked about this. We are married to our beliefs. We're not going to fall off this pedestal. Okay, we're not going to fall off the pedestal that, that, Jesus had a, that Jesus was God's son. He came to earth. He died for us, for our sin. Three days later, God raised him from the dead. That's not something that we're going to waver on. We, we are married to those beliefs, but we date our methods. Listen to me. We date our methods. I've talked to Jack. Unfortunately, he couldn't be here today. But I've, talk, I've talked to Jack, and I said, Jack, if Mount Vernon, the culture goes to polka music, he goes, I know, don't tell me. You know where this is going. Listen, that puzzle outside this building, that puzzle changes every day. Every day. You don't believe me? Come with me one day at work. One, one day is all it's going to take you to walk into a high school in a small town of Wayne City. You come to me, with me, we'll go to work with me, and I will show you that things change that fast. Hashtag that was popular yesterday, not popular today. Sometimes they go away in an hour. Sometimes they come out and they immediately go away. Sometimes they last for a week. They're completely random. If you don't know what, some of you are going to go home and Google what hashtags are. (laughs) Let me make this easy. It's the pound sign or it's the tic-tac-toe board on your phone. (laughs) See, connection has a vision. Connection will continue this vision, but I want you to understand this. We strive to reach people that aren't being reached now hear that. We are not sheep stealing. We're not going out, oh, hey, I like, the, you know, you can play the drums good, come to our church. No. No, Connection is a church that raises their leaders up from inside. If you've been here for the last two or three years, you saw, you saw a switch, a huge switch in the last year. Jack started coming here. Jack was raised up to lead worship. He, and all of a sudden, something happens with Mike. Mike had been raising me up. We see we raise our teachers in the back. The people that clean the toilets, we raise everybody up from the inside. And it's awesome because here's the deal. Some of you are sitting next to people right now that connection has reached in the last seven years. In the last seven years, maybe they haven't attended church anywhere. They've been out of church for 20 years. Less than two months ago, we had a guy step through our doors and he openly admitted to me and his son and to his family that he was here visiting. He said, I haven't been in church. I have not been in church. I have not been in church in 30 years years and he said i got to come this morning and i wanted to come this morning because i watch this 
This is what we do. This is what those teachers back there do. Because my grandson asked me. You teach a person how to, you teach a person, you give, if I gave, if I gave Maddie a fish, she could eat for today. You know this whole adage. If I gave Maddie a fish, she could eat for today. If I taught her how to fish, she could eat for a lifetime, right? Listen, we're raising kids up. That's our vision. Raising kids up. I cannot wait. Yes, I'm partial. I have two daughters back there. But your kids are back there too. I can't wait to see in 15, 20 years what those kids are doing. And there's going to be one day, man, this is going to be awesome. Emma and Lydia's going to come to me and say, Dad, we're 16 or we're 18, we're 19, we're going to college. We're going to leave, we're going to leave, we're going to go to the church plant. I can't wait. See, we don't raise up our kids to keep them. We raise up our kids to give them away. God, use them. Use them somewhere. Let them go fish. See, a young boy learned how to fish being taught in the back. And he had the correct, pre- if, you, if you fish, he had the correct presentation. Grandpa, will you go to church with me? Yes. It's been in 30 years. We want our vision to be clear at Connection. We, we do community loving activities. At our jobs where we play, at Walmart, at Kroger, at Aldi's, I don't care where you shop. We live in love like Jesus. If you have your worship handout, check this out. The very first blank. We're going to talk about Jesus and the disciples, but I love this. When Jesus called the first group of men to follow him, he made his agenda clear. I, he does. He does very clear. How can we tell that just from reading? We're going to be in Mark, by the way. We're going to be in Mark, the first chapter. If you want to turn there, we're not going to be there yet. And Mark is the very first, very first recorded words about Christ in the New Testament. Very first. Very, very first. Probably when it was written under the most scrutiny. Why? Because it was the very first one. Oh, if there's a lie, we're going to knock it out of the park. We're going we're gonna to find whatever he wrote and we're going to just, mm. But look talks about here when jesus called the first group of men to follow him he made his agenda clear to them he did not say this watch this and we're going to get into this but i want you to just maybe a little bit of humor here uh jesus did not say things jesus did not say follow me and i will make you more disciplined we can see that in the life of peter no eventually (laughs) he didn't start off that way yeah about this follow me i'll make you more spiritual and more holy no, they're regular guys. Socially, they're lower than most people in here. Lower than probably all of us socially. Look at three. Follow me. Oh, I like this one. <clears throat> Jesus said this. Not really. Follow me, I'll make you smarter. I'll make you a better mate, better looking, nicer, richer, and you get all the things that you expect you should get. Not at all. Jesus said the complete opposite. He says, here's the deal. Guys, you're going to follow me, and if you choose to follow me, you're going to die. Not anybody in this room is going to jump on that train today. Hey, sign me up. Hey, sign me up. This is the train that you can jump on because connection is not going to waver from this. And it just gives me so, man, I'm looking at people physically right now within the last seven years that God has taken from wherever you were because connection does not care where you've been. And he has changed those people. He has molded those people, and he is bringing those people up. And guess what? Those people are now reaching out to people outside of the church. They're, they're fishing. They're fishing. They say, oh, this fly that I'm going to tie right here, I know exactly what it is because I used to be depressed. And my lure will catch depressed people because I know how to talk with them. And they'll tie it, and they'll go to church, and they'll do this. And they begin to make relationships. And out of those relationships... We see people beginning to grow. But up front, Jesus tells them, follow me and I will make you. I will make you. That's what he says. He says, I will make you. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine how scared they were? Up until this moment, they're fishermen. They're socially not important fishermen. It probably scared them. It probably confused them. It probably intimidated them. And Jesus tells them that he's going to make them fishermen of men. Okay, they have no idea what this says. They have no idea what, he, what Jesus is saying. See, my, 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 my personal desire is that God makes me more organized. 
that God makes me more disciplined, more knowledgeable, more gentle, a healthier parent, a softer, gentler husband and dad. A better person. My, 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 I want my agenda to match God's. I want to look in the mirror and God's going to ask me, Matt, what do you see? I still see some of me. God, go ahead and change it. And he begins to chip off that stuff. He says, you're not going to be complete if you, unless you can look into a mirror and you see my son. That's how I want you. That's how I want you. Today we're going to examine what God has for us. And we, some of you already right there, we've already, we've already mentioned this, this word and some of us do not like it. We don't like change. Matt, you always talk about change. Yeah, I know. I know. We have to change. Because God calls us to change. Some of you get very upset. If I came to your living room and you're watching your, your favorite show and I would change the channel, that's your opinion of all change. Oh, I don't like that. I don't want any part of that. I want nothing to do with that. It takes me somewhere that I don't like. Mary, Mary was sitting beside me the other night. We got to watch the finale of Gold Rush. I love that show. And I said, I looked at her about halfway through. It's, and it's, it's the finale. It's two hours long. And I'm sitting there about an hour and I'm just... Chip is awesome. I'm like, this is awesome. And it clicks with me. Not one time have I ever came home and on the DVR, that show has been watched. Meaning that my wife really doesn't care about Gold Rush at all. And I looked over to her and I said, why are we watching Gold Rush? And she goes, because it makes you happy. What? Because it makes me happy. Why does that matter? She goes, I'm willing to let you watch something we just hang out together. She goes, you let me watch what, we, what I want to watch all the time, and I won't let you watch this. See, that, that, we're not built that way. We're, hear me, we're not built that way. It's no, 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 no. My sister can attest to this. We used to fight over the remote control. It's all about what I want, right? It's all about what I want. No, we're not watching TV. We're playing Nintendo. That's it. And we usually both agreed on that. But are you ready? This is a tough question I'm getting ready to ask you. Some of you is going to feel like a fly swatter right in the face. Are you ready for Jesus to make you into something different? Are you ready? Or are you going to say, no, not for me. Not for me. This is tough. This is not an easy question. This is not something that everybody has correct. God, I know you want to change me into something different, but right now I'm just having such a good time, and if you could just give me five years. You ever done that? Give me three weeks. And it's almost done with hunting season. Then I'll go to church. Give me this. Give me this. God, I don't want you to change. I want you to change me, but I don't want you to change me yet. Look at your worship handout if you have this. We're going to do something very, very special. We've never done this before. It says, Jesus tells these men and us today, Blank. He tells him blank. No, 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 no. I want you to write your name. I want you to write your name. So if I'm reading this, it says, Matt, if you follow me, I'm going to change you into something else. But God, I don't want to be something else. Do we, we have that argument with God, don't we? We have that argument with God. God, I don't want to be anything else. I'm comfortable with the way I am. God, I'm doing good things for you the way that I am. God reminded me this week that there's some... There's some things in my life that I'm, I'm praying about right now, and there's just, just things. And this, 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 this point just kept hammering in my head. God would remind me, Matthew, Matt, son, if you follow me, I'm going to change you. Everything that you've always done is not going to be everything that you're always going to do. I'm going to change you into something else, but God, I don't want to be changed into something else. And we keep doing this. I don't want to be changed into something else. I don't want to be changed into something else. When we decided to become a follower, if you haven't become a follower, this is, I'm, going to, I'm going to speak to that too, but if you have decided to have Christ become your personal Savior and you have a relationship with Him, you're a follower of Him. When you made that choice, God reminded me of this this week. He said, Matt, you don't exist anymore. You died. The old self is gone. Oh, yeah, my old self likes to come back. See, that's that's what would argue with this. 
says, no, 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 no. When you set out to follow me, when I asked you, when I called you, you died. I want to change you into something else. Why? Very simple. I'm not perfect. I'm sinful. I have things in my life that I can change. Because if I get changed into that perfect puzzle piece like God wants me, watch this. He changes me into that puzzle piece. And he goes, watch this. I'm going to take you into your work over here. I'm going to go, you're going to go to Kroger here. You're going to do whatever you're going to do. I'm going to make you that perfect puzzle piece that when you come up with this person and you talk with this person, I'm going to go. And without me changing you into something different, you're not that shape. I have to change you. I have to change you. Just like me wanting to view the meteor shower, I missed it because I failed to prepare, didn't I? I failed to set the alarm. If we don't concentrate on this, if we don't prepare for this, we're going to miss it. I, for one, this, this. This thought just echoed through my head again. I had lots of thoughts echoing through my head. And they don't actually leave. They don't just continue to echo, okay? That God has something unbelievable. Unbelievable. For you and me in this church. And God's cool. Let me show you how cool God is. Because I was thinking about this. I was like, God, I want to I share this this morning. I want to I I I just tell them what I was thinking this week. Tell them what you, what you worked with me in, in, my, in my time with you that I spent this week. It says that you wanted to change me into something else. And there's something going to happen. I had someone come up to me in written. Watch this. In written form. Written form. And they said, and I'll paraphrase what, they, paraphrase what they say so you don't know who it is. They paraphrase this and they said, I cannot wait to see what God is going to do at Connection. They knew nothing about my sermon topic. They knew nothing that I was going to go into this. They put it in written form and they handed it to me right back there before church. That's how cool God is. He goes, oh yeah, oh yeah, you need to share with them. Don't miss it. Set the alarm. Ding. If you have your Bibles, look at Mark chapter 1. We're going to be in verse 14. We're going to be in verse 14 of Mark, the very first gospel ever recorded, ever written down. Look at verse 14 with me. If you have, I'm going to be reading on the New Living Translation. That's what's going to be up here. If you have a different version, it may read a little bit different. This, is, this one's kind of easier maybe to understand to some of us, for some of us. Verse 14, later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. Whole bunch, whole bunch, just in 14. Look, John was arrested. Why? He wouldn't keep his mouth shut about who Jesus was. He was changed into something different. John was arrested. Jesus went into Galilee. Jesus left him alone? When Jesus called the 12 disciples, he didn't say, hey, come with me, hang out, we're going to go to Malibu and chill. It's not there. He says this. He said, they're going to hate you. He sets them down. Can you imagine this? You say, okay, I'm going to follow you, God. And he sits, Jesus sits you down. He goes, they're going to hate you. This whole world is going to hate you. Not because they hate you. They're going to hate what you have in them. They're going to hate what you have in And that was him. It was Jesus. It was God. It was inside of them. And they don't like that because that world, even 2,000 years ago, did not want change. We like doing it the way we are. We like, we like comfort. We like, we like to be here. But John was arrested for preaching the good news. See, Jesus had explained this good news. He had called him, and he, his life had been changed. How serious about something do you have to do it to know that the penalty is getting arrested or killed? How much do you have to believe that to do it? How much do you have to believe in what you're doing is what you're supposed to do, but even the consequences are arrested or death? How much do you have to believe in that? See, this, thing, this is the thing. John wouldn't have done that before he met Christ. Wouldn't have done it. But John was arrested because he was preaching. He wouldn't be quiet. You ever had that person in your life? They wouldn't, they wouldn't stop. Maybe it was a mom, maybe it was a dad that just without fault would pray for you, 
when you were running and they knew you were running and they prayed. And they just wouldn't quit. I remember getting off the phone with my mom when I was in college and she said, Matthew, we're praying for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear it because God was still with me. He goes, you need to change. You need to change. I did not create you to do this. I created you to do this. Yeah, but God, I'm comfortable. I'm doing my thing. Listen, God, my mom and dad are going to be happy. I had conversations with, and arguments with God. I said, God, in about three years, when I get drafted and make $15 million, my mom and dad are going to be completely okay with that, and they're going to forgive me from doing everything that I've done. Kind of egocentric, crazy stuff is that. God says, I changed you, Matt. I changed you, and you're not where you need to be yet, but John was. John says, to the death, God. He's talking to Jesus. Can you imagine that? He talks to Jesus and he says, Jesus goes, John, they're not going to like you. Can you imagine what John, having been transformed to that new person, Romans 12 too, but changing the way that he thought, he looked back at Jesus and he goes, I'll die for you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? John had planned on what he was going to do. He didn't miss it. The world will say he missed it because he was eventually killed. He didn't miss it. And if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to see after we die, we're going to see him. He didn't miss it. He was changed. Look at verse 15. The time promised by God has come at last. And he announced, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Okay, this is, this, is, this is what the Jewish people had been waiting for, Messiah. Here's the problem. Oh, no, 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 this is not the right one. Mm-mm. No, no, not the right one. He's not rich. He doesn't live in a huge castle. He doesn't have all kinds of gold. He doesn't have, no, this is not the right Messiah. This is not, the, no. Mm-mm. What's sad is there's still Jewish people over in Israel and here that are still awaiting a Messiah. When they heard the alarm, they didn't, they didn't wake up. He says, repent of your sins and believe the good news. Looking forward to the Messiah. Listen, the kingdom is near. This is the very first, this is the very first gospel that we have. And look, they're already waiting for God to come back, aren't they? You're talking something well under 20 years after Christ is gone. Well under that. Well under and already they said, okay, we've had enough. <laughs> okay, God, uh, anytime you want to come back, to be great. See, when they heard Jesus speak, and he says, this, he's already gone, he's already left, and he says, I'm going to come back for you. Did Jesus make that much of an impact on their life that they wanted to be around him for the rest of their life? Yes. They missed him. So the time promised by God has come at last. Jesus is here. God asked him to do this. Repent. Believe. If we're not vision focused, we can miss it. Desperately, as much. I coach junior high volleyball. Number one, it's junior high. Number two, it's girls. If somebody's boyfriend broke up with him three weeks ago, all of a sudden she can't serve yesterday. I don't get it. With me, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm playing baseball, somebody throws a, throws a fastball down in the middle half about thigh high and I hit left-handed and they throw that ball right here, I want to hit it about eight miles. I, have, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know how to not have that switch. I had a girl yesterday. Well, my friend's boyfriend broke up with her. We're in a tournament. Your friend's not here. Serve. She missed an opportunity. Watch. She wasn't focused. If I, if I was hitting, if you played baseball and you, weren't, and you were hitting and you were not focused on the rotation of that baseball coming from the pitcher to the home, and instead of seeing four seams go like this, you saw a dot. The difference is about 20 miles an hour. One's a fastball, one's a curveball. 
If you, if you guess curveball and it's a fastball, you're gonna, he's going to go catch, and then you're going to swing. And if you guess curveball or guess fastball and, you throw, and he throws a curve, you're going to go swing, catch. You're not focused. You're not focused. And that's what God was talking about. He says, listen to me. Today at Connection, I want you to be vision focused. I want you to understand I am here. I want to change you into something else. I want to change you into something else. My wife and I talk about, hey, one day when we get older and the girls maybe get out of Summersville, we get another house. We want a little bit bigger house. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty ego of you, man. No, we don't want a house for us. We just want to have a bigger house so we can have more people over. We didn't used to think that way. I want a bigger house because I wanted it really big and nice and I wanted people to know that I did good. I want to have a bigger house so I can have people over. See, God has begun to change that part of my life. Matt, your life doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. I want you to give it away. But I'm really comfortable. Now, look at your worship handout. God is about to do something. We have to be ready for it or else we'll miss it. I don't want to be the only one, and I'm sure that I'm not. I don't want to be the only one that looks at this and, go, and goes, God is about to do something. Here's the, here's the thing about that. God is already doing something. You're sitting, but this is unreal. I'm, you're sitting. I'm in the same room with people right now that are not the same. And he's still changing them. And he's doing something right now. Last week, that person went three days without a soda. I'm talking about soda. Last, last week, that person went three days without a cigarette. Or they went three days without this addictive behavior or this addictive behavior. And celebrate recovery is changing people. God, through Celebrate Recovery, is changing. I'm telling you. I can't tell you publicly. That's confidential. Not going to. But God is moving through other ministries of this church, and he's changing people. Changing. Changing. We have people that play or sing that literally a year ago said, mm-mm, no way. And God says, no, I want you to give your life for me. I want you to give your talents for me. That's what he says. Look at verse 16 in Mark chapter 1. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water. For they fish for a living. This is everything that they have, by the way. This is their living. This is how they make their living. This is how they paid the bills. If they don't throw the net, they don't get the cash. If they don't throw the net, they don't get cash. If they do not throw the net, they don't get money. Okay? If you don't go to work, it's like you saying, oh, you know, today I'm going to take a sick day. And you, don't, and you know that you don't get paid for sick days. If you, have a, if you have a job that you get paid to take a sick day, man, you should go, go up to your boss and say, thank you for letting me work here. Because if I have a sick day or it snows outside. I went, I went and told, my, I went and told uh, the person that, that I work for in Wayne City on Friday when we went back to school. I said, I really appreciate having a job that I still get paid. And it snowed. I told him that. He knows that I don't take my job for granted. I love it. But these guys, this is what they did. And we look at, this is what they did. Look at verse 17. Jesus called out to them, come follow me. Time out. We're not even told they shook hands. Think about this. Some dude walks, you're in your boat. You're at Ren Lake. Check this out. You're in your boat at Ren Lake. And you're a commercial or you're a tournament fisherman. And it's how you make your money. You're fishing, you're fishing. You got a live well full of fish. You go, oh, this is a good payday. I'm going to have a good stringer. Oh, yeah, my five fish limit's good. You're already taking out the small fish and putting in the bigger ones you're catching. And everything's good. And your boat is all shiny and all sparkly. Not like these guys. And some guy walks up on the shore. He literally says this. Hey, why don't you come and follow me? Here's your response. No. You know I'm right. No. What is this? And I'll show you how to fish for people. 
I can't imagine what their brain's thinking. How do we fish for people? No, we're not going to follow you, but seriously, how do we fish for people? They couldn't have possibly understood. No way. Jesus called out to them, come follow me. Be my disciple. Do you know this morning that the disciples aren't the only one that Jesus says, come follow me to? Even if you're a follower of Christ, Jesus still says this every day when we wake up. Hey, I want you to come follow me. Hey, I want you to come follow me. I pray a prayer every morning when I think about it, and I try to every morning. But I pray this prayer. One of the hardest prayers that I ever started to pray, one of the hardest prayers that I ever continue to pray, says this, God, send me someone today that I can serve. Some days I know that opportunity when it comes up, and I go, man, I asked for this on purpose. Man. Okay, okay. One of the hardest things to do is to give in to yourself to give to other people. But you know, what I've, you know what I've seen? Oftentimes, it's in those moments that God will show me how to, how to use what he's given me. My talents, my, my words, my friendship, my being able to, ability to listen. Whatever it is, that person I can serve. So Jesus comes and says, and I will show you how to fish for people. Can you imagine what they thought? So, if we're going to leave this job, what are you going to pay us? We're going to pay us by the pound, by the person. Verse 18. One of the most astonishing verses in the entire Bible to me. And they left their nets at once and followed him. They were not afraid of being changed. Did they understand everything they signed up for? No way. No way. No way. I like that in the, in the movie, in the, in the Jesus series or the Bible series they put on the History Channel, you know, it's the, it's the, da, 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 the cinematic climax, the huge part. When he, get, he jumps in the boat, he goes, what are we going to do? Jesus says, change the world. Of course it'll say that, it's Hollywood. Listen, Jesus literally took 12 guys socially unacceptable and he, through his power, taught them, brought them up. This, this whole connection way of thinking, this whole bringing people up out of our midst, this is nothing new. If you want me, I'll talk to you sometime. We can sit down and talk, and I'll talk to you about a guy named Paul who kind of did the same thing. We can look at the first church in Acts and what they did and how they raised up their leaders. Look at verse 19. That's it. So these dudes just jumped out of the boat and started following Jesus. What does he do? Well, he goes, well, walking on the shore works good. We'll just keep going down. We're going to find some more boats. Watch this. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's son, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. Also what they did. Also, Jesus walks up to you building tires. Jesus walks up to you teaching school. Jesus walks up to you doing what you do. And after you follow him, watch this, he doesn't go out of your office. He just keeps going. Okay, who else will follow me? Okay, and you, and you. Very, very intentional. He's walking on us, and he says, James and John are repairing their nets. Verse 20, look at this. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Whoa, not only did they leave their boats in the net they were trying to fix, they left their dad. Now, time out. This doesn't work in my land. When I was a kid, if my dad and I were doing something and I said, hey, dad, I got to go. Oh, no, no, no. No. Dad, I got to go to the movies tonight. Oh, yeah? Is the yard mode? Which part? <laughs> There's no leaving. But this is not what he's talking about. This is, now, my dad did practice this. Watch. My dad did practice this. Very, very fortunate. I tell my dad all the time, thank you for what you did for us. All the time. I don't make a public deal about it, but all the time, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for what you've taught me. Because my dad did pray a prayer like this with me and my sister. He said, God, he told us this when we were very young. He said, said, Matthew and Jennifer, I want to tell you something. We have asked God to let us be okay with you not staying around us for the rest of your life. We want you to go wherever God wants you to go. I'm I'm a dad now. And I don't understand. I do. I understand that I want Emma and Lydia to go. What a tough prayer for a dad. And see, dad got called on that prayer too. 
My sister was in California for three years. They still live an hour from us. God called me out of that church to come here, away from my dad. But he did. You have to understand, Zebedee was probably like, boys, not me. You should follow him. See, because for them to follow him, they had to know what he was. They had to know who he was. Literally, they they don't talk to him for a minute here in Scripture. They left their dad on the boat. Doesn't it seem irresponsible? Oh, following the preacher guy today, huh? Okay, see you guys. Okay, they're not coming back, Dad. <laughs> they're le- they left. Guess what? Their alarm went off. They heard it, and they went. They didn't want to miss out. When I, when I, September 21st, and we go back to this date all the time. Listen, September 27th of 2007, I came down and led worship at the primary center for connection. If you know this story, it's very familiar to you. But as I was leaving the parking lot, I play, Mike printed out these, the words on a piece of paper, and he handed it out. I don't know, there's 40, 45 people there. They're sitting in front of the, on the, on the other side of the stage in that little outlet. And I, and I was nervous. Oh my goodness, nervous. But I was really cool. It was really cool because people sang back. But on the way out of the door, I had a conversation with Mary. And if you know how this story goes, I said this. Mary, we're not coming to this church. Their people are weird. They have church in a school. They do things. They're not, they, talk, they have popcorn. I'm leaving. I did. I told her. I said, I said, I am not going to go to this church. <laughs> don't, don't tell that to God. So I, I got to the car. We get to the car. And Mary and I, we, we drove up to Effingham in over an hour. An hour to Effingham, an hour over to Robinson. And before I got back to Robinson, God had already begun to speak to me and her. The alarm went off. And I think I understand what Zebedee did because I had dinner coincidentally with my mom and dad that night. And Mary and I walked out, or walked out. We drove out to mom and dad's house and we had dinner. And my dad said this. He said, how'd it go today? I said, those people are weird. We're not going to church there. Blah, 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 blah. Everything I can think of. He goes, cool. What happens if you stay here? I said, dad, you're the pastor of the church. I'm like the associate pastor, kind of. I teach adults. We got a cool coffee ministry, a little breakfast club going on for the young adults and we're really growing. This is a church of 75. The year before, we saw 76 people come to Christ in one year. God was doing crazy things. And I said, God, I, I get to be and work with my dad. I said, You be Charles, I'll be Andy. Stanley. Some of you have no idea. Okay. And my dad began to ask me this. He said, cool, so if you stay here, you're going to be able to soak up off me, and then you're going to be able to take over a church. Some, yeah, 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 yeah. What happens if you don't go? Did not want him to ask that question. God had already started dealing with me. And it was all because somebody took a chance on a kid. And I said this, I don't even remember rehearsing this, it just came out. And I said, Dad, if I do not go to Connection, I'm going to miss out on the biggest revival and transformation of people I will ever be a part of in my entire life. And I said, holy cow, I can't believe I just said that. He goes, it looks like you've already made up your mind. I'm telling you, God is not done. Seven years he's taken to transform people. He's not done. Connection's biggest years are going to be 15 and 20 years down the road. No, we're not going to have 1,000 people in one, in one place. Ten years, we may have five church plants. Do you see this? Do you see where this is going? God says, Connection, you're not going to hang out here. You're not just a place. You're not a place. You be my vision. You be my tool. Wherever you go, I want to use you. You be the puzzle piece. Jack, if you have to play polka music, we're going to play polka music. And it's not my favorite either, but if that matches the culture, guess what we're doing? Polka. You can bring your earbuds, I guess, while we do it. No, no, I'm kidding. But my alarm went off. Look at your worship handout. Jesus' goal for us is to follow him and to do in the lives of others what someone has done in your life. We have been called to go 
vision. You see this? You see this vision? You see how people are being changed in our church? Listen, there are people in this church that may have a problem with someone else that goes here. God's calling you to do this. If you have a problem with someone, go to them. Fix it. Chain ever fall off your bicycle? You don't get, you don't get very far without your chain on your, on your, on your sprocket, right? Let's put it back on. Reset. Reset. Jesus' goal is for us to follow him and to do in the lives of others what someone has done for you. See, this is the deal. I had a guy named John Overstreet. It came into my life. I was a 19-year-old college kid. I didn't do anything. The first two years at college, I went to church two times. One was mandatory. One time. One time on my own. That's because I felt guilty. It wasn't because I wanted to do what God wanted me to do. I felt guilty. Now I'll go to church, get recharged, and then I'll be good. Just do what I want to do. And I remember I went to this church called Unity Baptist Church, and I met a guy named John Overstreet and his family. And he says this, now John had already been here. He'd already spent his time running away. Watch how God used him. I, he said, hey, what's going on, guys? Obviously, we're from the college, okay? It's a college town. They don't have a whole lot of younger people. We, we, we show up, and there's three of us. Coincidentally enough, one of my buddies is from West Frankfurt. Small world. And we're sitting in church, and John comes up to us, and he said magic words to college kids, especially college baseball players or athletes, or if you're of the age of 18 to 22. He said, you guys want to come out for lunch? I said, free? Yeah, come out for lunch. Sweet. I mean, we were like high-fiving. We got free lunch. We got free lunch. We don't have to eat the cafeteria food. We got free lunch. We go out to these people's house. Listen, we turn onto their road. They live out in the country. I'm like, oh, sweet. I like this. We turn onto their road, and Lawrence's dad starts telling me they own 880 consecutive acres. They own over a section of ground. All in one piece. And my, of course, my first natural reaction, do you hunt? He goes, would you like to? What? Yeah. Okay. Really cool. In May, I get to go out and hunt with, with Lawrence again. And this all started because of this. I went out to their house. He began to put into me. John would meet with me once a week. He mentored me without telling me it was, being, it was mentor word, okay? He mentored me without me knowing it. He said, hey, let's, let's memorize some scripture. Okay, sure. What he did is he, he, he began to, to instill the scripture into my, into my life, and then he began to tell me this. You know, college was a rough time for me. He didn't ask me my problems. He didn't condemn me for my problems. He said, this is where I was, and God said, John, I'm going to make you the puzzle piece that fits in a match puzzle to change his life, to change his life. And because John Overstreet took a chance and he went fishing for me, Hey, free food and you want to bow hunt? Okay. Never would have known the 800 acres of ground being able to hunt and fish would completely do what it did. I didn't care about the hunting. I didn't care about the fishing. But what God did with me in my life through John Overstreet is this. To do in the lives of others what someone has done in your life. He said, Matt, I understand where you are. I know exactly what you're doing and it doesn't end well. And he said, I love you too much to let you find that out on your own. So if you need anything, you call me. He would, come, he would show up random times to our dorm room, always with food. Still today, this is my favorite snack in the world. He would show up with a gallon jug of blue Kool-Aid. He would come with a pound of really hot pepper jack cheese and a box of Triscuits. Come on in! But he chose to take a chance on me. Listen, he, I was no one to him. I wasn't from there. He knew Mary because Mary's from town. He didn't know me. He said, God, put somebody in my life that I can serve. Put somebody in, in my life that I can touch. It was, it was just unbelievable. Jesus called all of us to be fishers of people. What is that? What is that? What does it even mean, fishers of people? It means this. Don't waste a hurt that's happened in your life. You've been through divorce? Watch this. God can use it. Have you had a healthy marriage this whole time? God can use it. Are you not married? God can use it. Have you had bad success in financial situations? God can use that too. Have you been really good with your money? God can use that too. 
Have you been hurt by someone? God can use that. Have you always had a good relationship with someone? God can use that. Can you sing? Good, God can use that. Can you not sing? Good, God can use that. It doesn't matter what happens in your life. It doesn't matter what side of the spectrum we see good or bad. God says this, you don't waste a hurt. You don't waste a hurt. This is one of the scariest things that we can ever, 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 ever come in contact with because we say, God, that hurts so much. I don't want to go through this again. But every time we say, okay, God, I want to use this for someone. Guess what? There's always someone he can plug you into. Always. Can imagine that prayer? I talked with John the other day. He's talking about going. He's talking about going to Texas to go on a hunt, and I said, "Oh yeah, I'd like to go." He goes, "You're always welcome whenever." Doesn't I have not seen the man for more than four months, and before that, I hadn't seen him in four or five years. And the instant we saw each other, boom, like we never left. We had that connection. I can only imagine what it was like in the in the Bible times when Paul would meet back up with people, and it never it just it just clicked right back, right back. See, Jesus' goal for you is to follow. Show other people what he's brought you out of. I love this. Listen to this really carefully. God is perfectly positioning you to develop relationships to become a people fisherman. He is making you completely 100% unique. And if you don't think that God is affirmation, affirming this message, last night when I was watching the, out, uh, the uh, Discovery Channel with Mary, we were talking about those spinner dolphins. Scientists have concluded that they physically think when a great big huge pod of dolphins gets together, they think that the little bitty air bubbles that they breathe out can possibly be spelling their own name. The way they squeak to us, it sounds exactly the same. And they played several of them in a row, exactly the same. And they said, just like a snowflake, every single dolphin in the entire world has a unique whistle. That's a dolphin, people. It's a dolphin. Yeah, they're beautiful. How much more intimate are we with the creator? They were spoken. You were made. You're called. You're completely unique. God will use your talents, your marriage, your lack of marriage, your finances, good or bad. So we're going to have homework. Uh-oh. Teacher. We're going to have homework. This is what I want you to do. Some of you are sitting here right now. Some of you are sitting here right now. Now, we live in a social media age, and it would be really easy to text, Snapchat, Facebook, Instant message, email, whatever. Here's the deal. Some of you are sitting in here right now. Right now. You are sitting here. I'm, I'm one. You're sitting here right now as a follower of Christ because someone fished for you. They may not even know what they're fishing for. When John Overstreet baited his hook that morning when he, when he chose to step out of his comfort zone and come and talk to us, he baited that hook. He goes, these are college guys. He was older than us. He goes, I'm not in college. I don't know how to, I don't know how to be cool. I know. You guys want free food? It works every time. Still today. Every single one of us, if you're a follower of Christ, someone fished for you. Now, I want to, I I it's really cool, the people that got to come today and have made their way here because I can tell you how I was fished for. Now, watch this. I had two different fishing stories. You've heard about the second one. Now, the first one, I had people in my life that began to shape, much like connection is, shaping me as a very, very young child. Remember, I talked to you a couple weeks ago. I was at church when I was negative years old. I was here, my mom, at church. I've been in church my whole entire life, except when I chose not to go in college. And God used people to get out of their comfort zone and to teach, not just to teach, but to mold and mentor. We have that in Kids Rock. We have that in Baby Gap. We have that in our mentoring sessions. We have that in our youth group, in our connect group. There are people that are giving of themselves. <sighs> giving, giving. People saw this little kid running in. If anybody has me on friend on Facebook a couple weeks ago, you probably saw a great big mud pit. And I was in it with my sister. Then some of you made the connection later on. 
You saw whose yard it was. I grew up with having pastors that put in. I grew up with having people that put in to me. Some of you are sitting here the same way. So what I want you to do, I want you to go back to that person. I want you to find that person. If they're, listen, if they're not living, okay, just write a letter. It's okay, just do it. I want you to go back to that person and say, you know what? I really appreciate what you did. You took a chance on me. See, I, had a guy, I, had a, I knew a guy who physically dug a mud pit in his yard so youth could play in it for a weekend. But it wasn't too long after that when God began to deal with me in my life and he showed me the importance of friendships but then he began to show me that I had something between my relationship with me and him. It was called sin. And he sent, watch this. He sent a Jewish man that had been converted to Christianity. He was a Judeo-Christian. His name was Mike Copen. I guess my fascination started with a the guitar then. He played a 12-string guitar. I'll never forget that as long as I live. And he began to tell us about Jesus in that guy's yard. And a couple days later, whatever it was, I knelt by my couch and I prayed and asked God to come into my life. All because somebody fished for me. Later on in life, yeah, life tossed me around, it hammered me, my ship bounced off the rocks a couple times, and then God sent John. And he put into me, he said, God, I know what you've done in my life. I've got this puzzle piece. Now I want to use it. Just show me. And I walked in that Sunday, and he goes, Pow. I want you to find that person that fished for you. I want, to find, I want you to find that person that put into you, that shaped you. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to do this, and I want you to hug them. If you can, if you can find them. I want you to write them a letter. I want you to send them an email. Send him a text message. Thank you so much for doing what you do. What's that going to do? It's going to affirm him. If I, whenever I talk to John about this, today, later this afternoon, when I talk to John about this, and I've told him this before, it's going to encourage him to do it again. Because I'm not the only one that he can touch. And you're not the only one that that other person could have touched. So this is what I want you to do. We're going to pray in a minute. I'm going to ask God to give you the strength. Maybe you don't have a good relationship with that person anymore. Maybe there's someone right now that you might need to go talk to. <laughs> Say, listen, we can accomplish more if we don't disagree. Let's just go. I want to fish for people. I want to fish for people. I want to fish for people. Don't miss it. Set your alarm. Set your alarm. You know, as a coach, you can't, you can't go in the game for your team. As much as you want to, you can't do it. So we encourage, and we encourage, and we encourage. I can't do anything except ask. I can't come to your house. So, knock, knock, knock. Hello. Have you talked to that person? That fish? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to come to your house and check on you. I'm not going to check up on Facebook. You just might change the way that person even thinks now. Maybe, they, maybe, maybe it's their boat that's got rocked in this world since they talked to you. Don't give up. Set your alarm. Go fish. Because sometimes, just like Paul in the video, connection, being that, being that thing, we step out of this box. He said, whatever our church needs to be for Mount Vernon is what it's going to be. And that's scary. Because it means sacrifice. Let's go fish. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the ability to, just to talk to you, to read and mark about the way that you called people. God, the way that you... God, just in my life, the way that you use broken people that are messed up with sin, just like I am, and you use them in my life. I ask God this morning, I ask you to give the strength to the people to go and talk with someone that fished in their life, that didn't give up on them when everybody else did, that mentored them before they knew they were being mentored, that put words and life into them. God, maybe to a, maybe to a younger teacher, when they were, a teacher when they were younger, God, that put into them, that taught them, 
God, maybe if that person is not alive anymore, God, they just express their thanks to you that you were involved in that person's life and that person's puzzle piece fit yours. Just thank him. God, I thank you for those people in my life. I thank you for the time and the energy and the money that they spent to just give up what they wanted to do and put into me. They took a chance on a kid. God, help us take chances. Help us to live in love like you where we go. In your name we pray. Amen.